Hello, welcome to Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. My name is Mike. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. Ready to go. How are you? I'm ready to go, too, my friend. Uh, we are watching a movie on YouTube, and we are going to live riff it. Copyright us. Haha. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> as well as some information, I've read about a lot of shitty movies growing up because back then we lived in a world of books. Now we live in the world of YouTube, and people have posted these movies, so there's no need to read them anymore. But we want you to enjoy the full experience of the show by watching the video and listening to us at the same time. This is Multimedia Overload. So what is the movie today, Carl? Today we are watching Foreplay, 1975. Foreplay, F-O-R-E-P-L-A-Y, all one word. Now this is a movie, or is this our parents doing it in 1975? <laughs> that's how that's why we're here yeah <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, uh, I suggest the channel called random videos 1987 random videos 1987 all right. so it's for play 1975 for mature audiences only as you can tell this is random videos 1987 which their videos are like they're pretty random uh okay so yeah uh, we have our Countdown King, the master of the descending numerals, here to give us a countdown. Uh, so we want you to hit play, hit pause, cue it up to zero, zero, uh, and then our master of ceremonies will give you the time to do it. So go ahead. Uh, we have Paul Brumbaugh from the Edge of Insanity podcast. Are you guys ready to get? Let's get ready to Brumbaugh. <laughs> All right. Hey, Carl. Hey, everybody hey. out there. Let you guys know the drill. Get that finger over the triangle and do it in three, two, one, go. Lloyd Kaufman. <sighs> Trauma. Now, we've seen a trauma film before, but they really made that film. This film, they didn't make. They just sort of own it. Yeah, trauma has a history where they were during the 70s and 60s, maybe, but they were releasing mm -hmm. movies like Foreplay. And then in the 80s, they just said, hey, we can produce our own movies. And then by the time we got Ladies to... Ladies and gentlemen, uh, introducing uh, Professor Irvin Corey on smut, filth, and sexual enjoyment. This is over the opening credits. You know, I have been asked by the member of the now, this board to decide okay, do, the various seconds. codes upon which our industry has manipulated the alphabet in such an order as to explain the ingredients of those things that you might peruse upon the silver screen of your local neighborhood. Provided, of course, some of the local neighborhoods are in the area of which the picture might be screening. He doesn't make up nonsense for it. He might real world, open, but they're just so... So, <laughs> Professor... Professor Lee, he he's a he's a uh, legend, as it were, and uh, we actually watched a movie called The Fat Spy, where he shows up to doing a television show, and it's just as offbeat as this. I figured, yeah. because it is technically it's it's impossible to riff a comedy. I figured as comedians, we could show the respect what uh, other fellow comedians show when someone's on stage, and we'll just talk through his act. <laughs> Why is this guy on now? I should be on. <laughs> <sighs> but he reminds me of the comedians who all the other comedians will say, this guy's genius. And you watch him for like 12 times, you go, what the fuck? I don't get it. <laughs> but it's that 13th time, everything clicks, everything aligns, you go, this guy's great. Well, he never really hit for fame, you know what I mean? Like, No, well, he's famous, he he's in this movie. He's in the Steve Allen show, 
he was a legend to other comics all this over is, Manhattan. So this is Norman and the Sex Doll starring Paul Paulson. These are like anthology segments, and we have their own individual credits. And it's in New York City. That's right. The whole thing's in New York. Oh, yeah? They didn't bother to, like, shoot it out of state? <laughs> no. The only filming location was New York. See, now Paul is going to get manipulated into purchasing something he really doesn't want. He's doing three-card Monty right now? Uh, no, he's just buying some stupid turtle. Oh, street turtles. I thought that shit was illegal. <laughs> street turtles, yeah. <laughs> now, this looks like um, the woman on the Jeffersons, but it's not her. Oh, my God, that hairstyle is great. This is perfect. You don't right, need a helmet. Right, the time. Yeah. It's to promote helmet use for motorcycles. Paul Paulson <laughs> is, uh, everyone in California knows and respects him because uh, I think he owns a vineyard. He was a colleague of the Smother Brothers, but he ran for president. He used to do Multiple, com- multiple times, yeah. yeah. He used to do commentary on the Smother Brothers show in the 60s, and his stuff really stands out because he has such a dry, deadbeat wit. This is me on... Uh, and he will break that character in this film because he'll be starting to be aggressive and mean, even telling his mother, you know, get lost, Ma, you'll see. All right. Well, he's going to have sex with a sex doll, right? So He's going to attempt to and be frustrated, leading to his vulgarity. I had a dream last night that I got fired because uh, my boss came in and said, did you write a letter to a company saying, talking about sex robots to eighth graders? Like there was eighth graders in this company and I, was, I sent the letter about sex robots. This was the dream? Yeah, yeah, it was a dream. I got here late. I, I overslept <laughs> this morning. <laughs> uh, here's Corey. Or a tit known in Latin as mammary, which comes from the word mama. You never hear a guy, uh, papa, I want maybe a cocksucker. So therefore, mama <laughs> comes from the mammary, meaning tit. This is the... the um, uh, I love how he circles this part. Uh, that is, you shouldn't go to any pictures, folks. So is he interspersed throughout the entire movie? So that it... Yeah, he's more than just like introducing each movie. We got Paul Dooley now. Oh, Paul, young yeah. Paul Dooley. He still looks old. Uh, yeah. People might remember him from 16 Candles, but I mean, he's got 206 credits on IMDb. Oh, I, I remember him from Strange Brew. And there's a time code on that, and that's very hard to fake. Yeah, that's right. Strange yeah. Brew. He was Elsnor Brew. He was the uncle. Yeah, it's really nice to get out of the uh, to, to leave the brewery. Shut up. <laughs> I could crush your head like a... Le- All right, sorry, grape, but I won't, because I need you. Uh, so, <laughs> Paul Dooley is great. Uh, you yeah. can tell he's young in this movie because of the haircut. It looks pretty trim and proper. So, he, he's... Uh, Paul is at a uh, shop, I guess, or a convention? Well, he's going in there pretending that he's buying a doll for a kid. But Paul Dooley, after you know answering a few questions, he's no dummy. He knows that this man wants a life-size sex doll. Yeah. Well, I would prefer a sex doll over a sex robot. Don't you agree? Because a robot I might I don't ha- know. Anything with, like, Bluetooth, anything that could track you, I don't really want to. <laughs> a doll doesn't Everybody have any. Everybody does it. <laughs> <laughs> Real doll. 
Now, I found out from researching this. I mean, we've seen Paul Dooley in other films that we've done, but I didn't bump into this before. He co-created and wrote the groundbreaking children's series, The Electric Company, 71. Paul Dooley? My, my yeah, mom, my mom hated that show. What's it, to hate? Because it was so loud. I mean, the first seconds is, hey, you guys. <laughs> that was Rita. Rita Rutner? Rita, Rita Miranda. Mor- Miranda. Yeah. Mor- Miranda. Marina. We're going to do it. They actually have a new electric company. I watched it about ten year, uh, five years ago. And it's, yeah. Yeah, it's episodic. It's like, hey, gang, we got to protect the electric company from the evil electric company. And we'll have, like, uh, races. Races are velocity times speed. But, oh, yeah, the old electric company from the 70s, man. Good job, Paul Dooley. That had fucking yeah. Bill Cosby teaching kids on PBS. Spider-Man. Yeah, Bill Cosby was maybe on only the first episode, or was it the first series? I think it was Morgan was, Freeman. Yeah, Morgan Freeman. What was it? What was That's it? how I know Morgan Freeman. Was when it Easy there, Reader? Easy Reader, was that his character's name? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Easy Reader, right. And when I see him, like, in a movie playing the president or something, I'm like, what's the electric guy? Electric company guy. <laughs> you know, that's how I associate him. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, so is this the, the sex doll? Yeah. Like it, it's Polish, but she really looks Swedish with the German outfit to me, but, but they say that she is Polish. Well, that's very important when buying sex doll, what ethnicity it is. Oh, look at that. It's open in the math room. Yeah, I got it. So it's an actual actress playing a sex doll. Right. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> At least it cuts the shit in Hollywood. Now, this Pat Paulson, he was all about um, the Smothers Brothers. I mean, that was his rise to fame. And he, oh, yeah. Um, okay, so it says here he was appearing as a comedic guitarist. And I can relate to that in various clubs in the West Coast in New York City. During one of his appearances in San Francisco, he met the Smothers Brothers. He was hired because he sold them inexpensive songs and would run errands. Yeah, the Smothers Brothers act was them on guitar as well. So I can see they get a songwriter involved. Does this particular doll have a name? Leave it up. My friend, this doll not only has a name... But she answers to her name. Oh, oh, I thought Let it was a part in which she's trying Wanda? to ask if she's got May a hoo-hoo and a wee-wee. Mr. Uh, what is your name, sir, quick? Uh, Horner. Mr. Horner. The pleasure to meeting is entirely mine, madam or sir. Is there an option to turn off the sound? <laughs> That's a, <laughs> I just didn't want to check with this doll. Is there like an uh, mute option? Maybe it's now. You know, after, look, sir. after the purchase, Dooley's going to say, by the way, it's a used model. Well, okay. He says, this will run you $2,000, but, you know, for the floor model, I can give it to you for like 900 something like that. <laughs> the horror model. The floor yeah, model. The-, <laughs> <laughs> the floor model. Yeah, it was, it was used, you know, it was just there as a sample. Only used once in an orgy in Orange County. Little lady from Pasadena. So, as you know, he ran for president, but it was all just talk and show. 
you know, he didn't go around gathering signatures, but one time he did. Yeah. He appeared on the ballot in New Hampshire. Well, actually, multiple times he was in on the New Hampshire ballot. Uh, and New okay. Hampshire being the in primary, 90- is, it's right. a good way to kind of, you know. So I'm running. In 96, he received 921 votes, which was 1%, to finish second to President Bill Clinton, who got 76,000 votes. That's pretty impressive because he's been doing this since the 60s running. <laughs> yeah. And he was ahead of actual, you know, like people who were running like, um, you know, the mayor of so-and-so in New Hampshire. And I mean, he I mean, it's only 923 votes, but that's still 923 wasted votes. <laughs> it's fucking democracy. And now we have the embarrassment of, oh, hi, how are you? You know, oh, like, yeah. Now, I know a friend of mine who was bringing a friend into a cab, and she was really drunk, and people on the street were like, where are you taking her? Where are you Mm -hmm. taking... Ma'am, ma'am, do you know this man is taking you into a cab? It was really awkward. With you? No, I was... I I knew both of them, and I knew that they were a couple. It wasn't like he was being... He was just trying to get her home. But somebody Uh in the street saw this super drunk woman being... uh, trying to get into a cab... with this guy trying to get her into a cab outside a bar, and... She said, don't you touch her. Mm. Uh, now, Buck Henry, what, look, cornflake. Kellogg's oh, cornflake. I, I see the Zabar's. Zabar's bag. Only in New York. Snapshot of history. Oh, Zabar's is gone? No. Where am I going to get my um, Kellogg's cornflakes? Buck Henry was turned down this role. <laughs> Played Paulson's Norman. Fuck Henry. Buck fucks. Oh, we're going to see some backside. I mean, a back, side of her back, not her actual backside. Full backal nudity. I don't know who the actress is, but she is built. I mean, she's look at those muscles on the back. Yeah, she doesn't have very good credit. She has like four things. One of them is um, 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 the 1950s uh, Lil, Lil Abner, Lil Abner. Yeah. Oh, the musical. There was a musical version. There's not much to her. Oh, that's pretty impressive, though. And I... um, this made a big fight happen, this, this segment, this first segment. Um, okay. During the initial screening of the film, a fight broke out between writer Greenberg and producer Groovich. When it was revealed, you know, because he was watching it and he saw it for the first time, Groovich had re-edited the Norman and the Doll without Greenberg's consent, even though there was a contractual agreement given creative control to Greenberg and the director. So they sat down to, this is my film, honey, and then they saw it, he saw it all re-edited, and he goes, hey, man, what the hey, I wrote a, I edited a loving tribute to sex dolls, and you cheapened it. <laughs> Well, I, I'm sure he wasn't pleased when uh, Professor Erwin Corey popped up in the middle of his segment to talk about vaginas. <laughs> and then now, memory. this is mom. Uh, it's always so awkward when your mom meets your sex doll. Mm-hmm. She's a real doll, Ma. No, I mean she's a real doll. I haven't seen the movie Lars and the Real Doll, and that's going to be on my epitaph. At least I didn't see Lars. Oh, it's good? It, it was very interesting how they, like, 
uh, what's patronized him. That's not the right word. They played along with his. Right. So the the movie is about a guy who has a sex doll, the 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 brand name real doll, and the his family and friends and even the community plays along that it's his girlfriend or that they don't acknowledge right. that it's a fuck doll. Now, the mother was told this is a real woman from Poland, and she's not feeling well or something. So, Ma, why don't you go out and get us a hot water bottle? <laughs> she goes, where is the hot water bottle? She goes, Philadelphia. Oh, that's ridiculous. Let's listen to that. Uh, all right. Maybe I could. Where's the closest place? Uh, the closest place I know for sure is in Philadelphia. Just go down the grass. Philadelphia, you can't be serious. Well, no, no, I'm not serious, Mom. Of course I'm not serious. Why would I want you to go to Philadelphia? No, you just go down in the neighborhood and get one and take all the time you want and you have enough money. Well, no, good. not actually. Good. I don't. Okay, well, now, when you call me when you find one, are you sure you're you're from Poland? Yes, my screen, my submarine sank. <laughs> well, why did it sink? Screen door. Screen door. Okay, you're from Poland. Oh, here we go. He's gonna get busy. Pants are dropped. This is just now a casting like couch him. info. Yeah. Okay. So now she's not letting him in, and she's like, "I want bath." Now Paul Dooley cautioned him, like. If you get this, uh, you know, if you get this doll wet, you know, dryer property, she will mildew like a motherfucker. And also, don't feed her after midnight. Gremlins. Um, Gremlins, right. Yeah. There's uh, somebody related to the Goonies in this, but uh, we'll get there. Okay. Oh, we will get there. He was on a guest appearance on The Monkeys in 67. The Monkeys Watch Their Feet was the name of the episode, and he played the Secretary of Defense. I shouldn't know it. I know every single uh, episode. That's why I raise it. He has yeah. a million credits. Okay, here we go. Corey? Life! Life! Life is joy! Life is... Okay, I'm going to be a comedian. Ah, I can't wait to do a set. Oh, I'm too loud. I'm talking over... <laughs> it's just Corey. Uh, how come Corey always gets a set? Oh, wow. She is now full frontal. Like, yeah. Although we don't, we see her. Oh yeah, yeah. There we go. It's giving her a bath up. So embarrassing when you. Now we gotta bend you somehow. Now he's mad. You know he's mad at the doll. Like this, what have I gotten myself into? I just wanted to get a little pale. Now I gotta <laughs> bathe you. Do you think there's buyer's remorse after you use a sex doll? What? What? Do you think there's like a buyer's remorse, like? You're like, wow, oh, this is great. This is great. This is great. Oh, what the fuck did well, I just spend $2,000 on? Yeah, as soon as you squirt, there's always buyer's remorse. Uh, hey, hey, Carl, Carl, Carl. We're talking about sex bots. We're not talking about life in general. <laughs> yeah. He was true. also um, on the, the first season of Sesame Street, and he played lots of funny Yeah. Bits, you know, with counting wrong and was was this before or after he shot a a movie where he's bathing a naked woman (laughs) Mm. the first year you know they released the first couple of seasons of sesame street and they called it old school sesame street and they had to put a disclaimer that it's not for children why well there are certain scenes in, in the original sesame street that just would not fly like they go to a movie house and everyone's smoking uh Oh. One of the adult actors, like he has his hands on this girl, like he's just holding her, you know, rubbing her shoulders, or just you know, confidently holding. That doesn't really uh, date well. 
This this stuff is uh-huh. a little a little dated, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah. So they do. Um, he was on. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm just gonna say he was on Sesame Street in '69, so it's after his sex doll romp. All right. But what else made it uh, a not for kids? Well, it was it was. I know they were smoking in the movie house. I know that I've seen the footage of one of the adults. Like just kind of rubbing the shoulders, or just confidently holding a a, a girl a little mm-hmm. too longer than, than it should. Uh, that nowadays would seem extremely awkward. Oh, says mom holding, and he's she came in and he's holding a topless woman. So yeah, and a pharmacist has come along. Uh, the mother thought like it would be fast. Now he's got a Vaseline. He's got a dryer and Vaseline her, or she'll mildew. So he's like being real bossy. So if you guys want to stay here, you better help me. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Now, this movie, Foreplay, I, I mean, I was looking at IMDb. It was called that because it was four segments. Mm-hmm. And then they, they bailed on the fourth segment, and they just put Corey in there. But they didn't call it, like, Menage a Trois or whatever, or Threesome. Three-play. Three well, there was a Supreme Court case decision, which so actually mention in the movie which is kind of um you know they were kind of smiling about it and the supreme court case um made them think maybe uh the segment we're doing will be considered illegal so they dropped it um let's see here i've got the details on it yeah here it is so there's a there's a writer named uh terry southern and you might know that name. He's done a bunch of stuff. Oh, we, we've done and a bunch of his movies. Candy was based on his novel. Which one, Candy? Yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah. He's a catch, man. Yeah, the one who wrote Dr. Strange, the one that Michael O'Donoghue brought to SNL in the 80s, and he didn't do shit, and people hated him. Wow. So he was doing a sketch called Twice on Top. And, okay, in June 73... This thing started filming in August uh, in New York of 73, even though it came out two years later. There's the story there. But during pre-production, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled Miller versus California, material that offended community standards, portrayed sexual conduct, patently offensive, was illegal. Now, Rip Torn was cast in this twice on top, and that would have been good. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Fearing that it would break the law, they removed it, leaving only three skits. Southern was like, well, I'm working on this one. It's called Slippery When Wet. And they, they read it, and they go, no, that's the same thing. You get right. it, you know. So then they said, a comedy in three parts. Um, now, this Carl Grunvich, the investor who had the fight with the writer, yeah, all his investors quit when the Supreme Court case decision came down. So he had to sell an insurance business that he had. He had to halt production until he got new investors. It was really a mess. Hey, I got a question. Are you, are we listening to the audio from you? I, no, I don't have audio playing. Uh, for some reason, I could, I could hear it. Oh, well. All right. Trying a... to return, Dooley is giving him a lot of shit about it. Like, you're not... You no, re- no returns. But, hey, I'd like to return right. this sex doll. Yeah, buddy, listen, no returns. That's not the kind of... I don't understand why he sells children's toys and adult toys in the same room. <laughs> so it's not, not... Okay, turn it on, because right. here's our punch. That's not altogether bad. 
No, not altogether. Okay, so the punchline was they've tricked like five guys for nine hundred dollars a pop. Not too bad. It was really just a regular woman. It was a oh, it was just actual prostitution. It wasn't just a, a sex doll. They were he was human trafficking. He wasn't selling a, a device. That's funny. Hey, wait, I don't. No, care. it's not that. It's a scam. It's a scam. You take the doll home and it refuses to have sex with you. It said, "I want serious relationship," and he goes, "Well, that's just great." <laughs> All right, return. Okay, here's Corey again. What does it matter if a fireman wear high heels? And guard belts, so long as they rescue us from the fire. See, I like this guy, but he reminds me of some comedians who people would swear. Like, there was a comedian who, there's a guy named Jeremy Kramer who I absolutely love. And I didn't love him the first time I saw him. I had no clue what he was doing. And mm-hmm. it was honestly like maybe the seventh time I watched him. And I watched him because I would go to the shows, perform at the shows that he was at. It clicked. And uh, he's like one of the funniest guys I know. He's moved to L.A. And uh, I know Robin Williams has cited him as a, as a influence. Vortex, sorry, oh. Jerry Orbach and uh, George S. Irving. Yeah, he, uh, about 10 years ago, or before he obviously killed himself, Robin Williams was being interviewed by the L.A. Times. And he named Jeremy Kramer as like one of his influence because Kramer wow. was part of the uh, San Francisco comedy scene when, when uh, Robin Williams was there. And uh, he was, and Kramer was there when, in the '90s when I was there, and I, I agree. Like he's fucking funny, but he reminds mm-hmm. me of Corey because it's it takes you a second to realize what he's doing. Right, right, right. All right, so we are in the gym and they're having sexy fun time. As uh, uh, this woman, yeah, you know him because he's on. Ba ba da da da. Yeah. Exactly. What was the song in Ted 2? This woman who he was just with, she was in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. She was in Up in Smoke. Oh, and those yeah. are her two good credits. That's where my troubles be. Up in Smoke. Well, in Ted 2, do you remember? Okay. This guy's a writer. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt you. No. And this is his muse. His muse is named nice Vortex. Right. And, I have see finished the sort of my... and he is in a Speedo and nothing else. And a hat. It's because he vacations in the Mediterranean all the time unless he's called into action. Because this guy, he's a writer and he needs a muse right now. Vortex. <laughs> That's what I would call it. The thing is, you don't recognize Vortex because he's young. If he was an old man, you would absolutely know him. Okay. Um, Can I guess? You just, yeah, well, you just know his face. You see him in, like, he's a, one of those character actor types. But huh. you would know his voice, too, because you me- you know, remember that, like, I'm Mr. Heat Miser, I'm Mr. Sun. Sure, the uh, was- Claymation uh, car- uh, Christmas TV specials. And Go Go Gophers. He was a Go Go Gopher? Yeah, and he was, un- he was one of the underdog uh, players, not either. He was an underdog. <laughs> no. But you know that part where it goes, dude, da, dude, da, dude. That was him. He was a da, dude. He was one of the <laughs> I don't know the theme. The underdog. Da, da, da. Oh, you don't know it? Well, no, uh, I know that. I know the chorus. Underdog, underdog. Yeah, that's the chorus. I know that. I don't know why the sound is going through the board. Even I have it on mute. 
on the computer or on yeah. the board? Whatever. This, this show is kind of a wash because we have a buzz today, but we love the audience. And the audience, we love you too. Our ratings came in a little bit of a drop, but we still love you. Our monthly ratings, I'll tell you, I'll tell you off air. Why? You just told everyone on air. What are we, what are we at? What are we at? We have, yeah. uh, no, I'm not going to tell. Sorry. <laughs> go, go to our well, website. Go, go, go to our Twitter and, and say, hey, L-W-F-L-M-O-Y-T. What was the ratings? And then I'll, I'm happy to respond. But other than that, no doubt. <laughs> All right. Well, let me ask you, did we go down like, just like 10%. All right, I'll tell you this. We, we, we like, still have the same monthly RSS uh, downloads. And then okay. from downloads That's directly awesome. from the station, it went down like 1,000, maybe 800. Okay, so... Uh, it's still... That's it's like 250 per episode. It's, it's okay. Yeah, we, we roughly have about 29,000 uh, monthly downloads total. All right, so that's still like 6, 7 per show. <sighs> All right, Carl, it's like... Twenty-eight 14. is that. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. We love everybody, and everyone loves us. How about that? Uh, and Ted too. I gotta say this because we have Jerry Orbach. They're watching uh, Law and Order, and the stuffed animal goes dun dun. We're at walking five by five. <laughs> we're blocking the whole hallway, or whatever it goes. It's probably my favorite scene. People probably also know him from Dirty Dancing. He was what the father, dad. Yeah, yeah, he was he was baby senior. Right. He was in Woody Allen's Crimes and Misdemeanors. Did he pass away? And, uh, no, I don't think so. That's no. Sam Ward? Uh, yes, yes, yes. He did. I didn't, usually what I do is I write down the years that someone has died. Ah. And you know, Corey, Professor... Erwin Corey? Erwin uh, Corey, he did die. At uh, age 90. He died 90. last year. Yeah. And he, no, he died 2017, but he died at 103. That's insane. So he beat life. So Professor Erwin Corey used to, I don't know, he had a sh- weekly show in the village, right? In New York City, and the well, village voice would advertise it. the village vanguard on a weekly show. And at one point, he was both in San Francisco and in um, New, York? New York at the same time for a weekly show. Oh, he would just fly over? I guess, yes. Sorry. I don't think he drove, because... No, and that's... Uh, here it is. The Village Vanguard doing stand-up comedy routine and Hungry Eye. Hungry a Eye. Club in yeah. San Francisco. Hungry Eye was a famous nightclub in San Francisco that had him, had Bruce, uh, Lenny Bruce, and it would be girls and, you know, nightclub entertainments, and then it just mm-hmm. became girls. And I, I think it's still around, and it's just basically strip club. So Lenny Bruce described Corey as one of the most brilliant comedians of all time. Now, here's what I want to say about Corey. He never really hit. Now he was on Steve Allen's show a lot. Well, I think I he think he was always in the club show, uh, clubs, but he never had that one movie. He did. Everyone knows him from. No, you know? there is the Burbs with Tom Hanks and uh, Corey Feldman. Was but he wasn't neighbor? that an afterthought in his career? You oh, know what I mean? Well, I mean, it was like 80, 88 by that point. You're absolutely right. Uh, but it was a. That's what I'm saying. Like he never had that. Like recurring sitcom they never had that one thing that people Carl, know him from. he was in the fat spy i'm sure that broke him out yeah <laughs> in, uh he was drafted into world war ii and he was like this i cannot do this so uh, he was just smart discharged after six months he convinced an army psychiatrist that he was gay <laughs> oh yeah it did take that long i'm sure 
Um, he was in Car Wash in 76, a movie I love, but I never, I, I'm going to have to go back and find him because I don't remember that. I remember George Carlin and I remember Richard Pryor. He probably said like, uh, I like to get my car washed. Oh, what, 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 where's my car? And that's it. Oh, I'm not Rappaport. I'm not Rappaport the movie? Yeah, 1996. Oh, yeah. Well, One of the coolest things about him is he was the world's most foremost, wor- the world's foremost authority. That's how he, whatever the topic was, he was the world's most foremost authority. He has a, I mean, there's people who kind of follow that tradition, too. You hear me okay, Carl? I do. He, uh, there's a gentleman uh, named Hal Robbins, uh, Dr. Hal Robbins, who is part of the Church of the Subgenius movement during the 80s. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he's here in San Francisco, and for a long time, for like the last 15 years, he had a show called Ask Dr. Howe. And it was the same premise, where you mm-hmm. would write out a slip of paper, a question, and him on stage would, pun, you know, pondicate on it. And uh, pondicate. That's where you go to Ponderosa and you talk. And uh, he would... Pontificate. <laughs> pontificate, yeah. Oh, speaking of pontificate, she's taking her shirt off. <laughs> pontificate. Yeah. Point suffocate. Wow, what a mommy bra that is. That bra is like, must have used so much fabric. It is the 50s in this little segment. He's oh, doing is. a flashback. The muse is bringing him back because he blew his opportunity to uh, uh, to make it with this skirt. And the muse knows his writing block will be unblocked. Oh, hello. He, whoa! Dying 3D. This is why. So I had to use your father's YouTube account to watch this movie today. <laughs> hey, yeah. What if they had porno in 3D? There, there boing. was boing. There was porno in 3D. That sounds great. Uh, cameraman thinks he's shooting a porno in 3D right now. Uh, in fact, there was. I had an opportunity to see it because uh, there was like a little revival of uh, 3D. Oh no, there was in the 90s uh, Brattle Theater in uh, Brookline. No, not the Brattle. But there was a movie house in, that, that sh- in, in the Boston area. That, yeah, that was showing 3D movies. And from the Midnight Show, they showed the 70s 3D movie. And I, I said, well, you know, I, I love irony as the next, next guy, but it's basically watching a porno movie with my mates. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so he's, he's trying to, he has writer's block, and the muse is, is giving him a flashback to the time he had sex. Or, right, know. and it's not working, and we're getting lots of... He's got his thick Italian accent, and we're getting lots of jokes about, what do you Americans eat? What is this? Oh, it's Jello. Jello? <laughs> you know. you got to right put some sauce on it. Potato salad. Oh, man, this movie's making me hungry. He's eating potato salad with a spoon? How gosh. Yes. He's a fork friend. Uh, Jack Richardson is some sort of famous playwright. He wrote this, and Bruce Malmus directed it. Who di- He did Nighthawks, which uh, I was, don't even know, but the like, internet thinks it's a big deal. Nighthawks was uh, Sylvester Stallone? Well, that might be yeah. right. Now that sounds... Yeah, that is a big deal. Oh, here's Corey. Great substitute for that particular final result is only a solution upon which we can maintain our ideology and prospects for future interference. Oh, Corey's going long. I just want to do my set and go home. What is he talking about? 
It is not what we talk about. Is what I have to cut him short. Just, you know, I think the problem about Corey just doing his act in the movie is that it isn't scripted. It right. was probably one take, and they said, God, thank you so much, Corey. This is fantastic. We're going to use Handshake. it. Handshake. Handshake. And that's it. And then they show one take on the screen. He, he, it was good. Uh, it wasn't the fat spy. Maybe it was, but also he was in um, uh, Chatterbox. Oh, maybe uh, it was Chatterbox on the TV. I remember. Yeah. He, yeah. But he did his monologue on the TV show. That's probably that what I'm really thinking That was really funny. Of. Yeah, I like the um, Professor Owen Corey. I, I definitely... Uh, now, was he on Letterman? Wasn't there, like... He no. had, like, no... But I think... Uh, I know he... The internet would have told me. Because Letterman, you know, he had Harvey Picar from American Splendor comic books as a kind of, like, a a crankier old man than Letterman. And that would always get mm-hmm. under Letterman's skin, and it was funny to watch. And Letterman kind of knew that. But it would there'd be, you know, the guy would go off on him. Like, uh, Harvey Pickard was, like, talking about General Electric at the time and just say things that you <laughs> okay. couldn't say on Letterman, and he got away with it. And I always thought Corey was one of those guests that would show up and just... Maybe he is, and it's just that he wasn't a regular... Yeah. Okay, so we're having another flashback now, and this woman says, if you can undress me in like 45 seconds, then you can sleep with me. And he was never able to do it. And then the muse talks about, you know, a a method of like getting the garter belt off at the same time as the Uh, top. I don't know what it is. Yeah. There's controversy about how this film was born. There's like two stories, and nobody ever settled it. Both stories appeared in different months of Playboy magazine in 1974. Oh, hang on. Let me check. Let me get my copy. 74, you said? Yeah, there's April and December. That's Debbie. And then that's Joanne. I just know the Playmates name by uh, first name. Debbie is the one I. But but I read the articles. So uh, writers Terry Southern and Bruce J. Friedman. And yeah. Dan Greenberg and executive producer Carl Groove met at a New York City restaurant in Lane's and decided they want to make a sex movie. Now, these but, are all top-notch people. Bruce J. Freeman, yeah, I mean, he's a famous yeah. humorist. Now, Dan Greenberg, one of the other directors, claims that uh, he was called by Groovich after uh, he and Southern, Terry Southern, had discussed the idea while judging the New York Erotic Film Festival. So I don't know which one is the idea, but it was Greenberg who said, let's have four vignettes using four different cast and crew, directors, everything, because he had done that in that Broadway play called O Calcutta. Yeah, that's right. O Calcutta was a a sex anthology humor sketch bit, and that was the longest running off-Broadway show, right? Didn't it have like a insanely long run? I started in 69 and ran for a long, long time. A long time. time. I think it ended maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, Calcutta. So, but, so who knows what is true, and nobody's bothering to talk about it, because uh, this film this all film. but forgotten. Yeah, very much. And I have to thank uh, Random Videos 1987 for posting. The, oh, yeah. that's what I was going to say. His other videos or her other videos on Random uh, Videos, butt farts, right? It's like people farting and songs about farting and butt cracks. He had a lot okay. of butt crack novelty songs. Is that funny? <laughs> and a full-length movie for play, so thank you. Sometimes when we go looking for movies, 
it isn't just a channel that posts full-length movies. It's usually like a guy who has one particular thing, cars or butt cracks, and right. happened to post a full-length movie on, on his channel. So and thank you, you catch it. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I thank you because you always pick great films, and they're oh. not great films. But for your show, they are great films. I feel like, you know, this film was probably meant for Times Square or was meant, you know, and that Troma would make some money distributing it. And then it disappears. And then, you know, fans of shitty movies, especially during the 80s, write about it. And uh, then people post it. And so it it, it yeah. doesn't have, it has a shelf life. It wasn't intended to have a shelf life. But, you know, here we are watching it, still watching it. Yeah, and who, but they could have never known. Now, even Troma was, Troma picked this up years and years and years and years and years and years later because nobody wanted it. They didn't have anything to do with back in the day or like we'll distribute for you. It was something called Cy Frank Enterprises who produced and distributed. Um, the budget was uh, $15,000 only. But then by 73, it had grown to be 50 grand. But then by 74, they had enough investors that it was 700 grand. Wow. And, and you know, Carl, you uh, provided a graphic for this movie, which was clearly the DVD box for Troma. So yeah. Troma still is having lunch off of this movie. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say they're having lunch because I went, uh, I clicked all the way through the links, and it's, it's on Troma's site for. Three dollars and ninety nine cents. Huh. Well, that's so they're having the tip. Yeah, there must be somebody that's like, holy shit! I remember this movie in seventy five, and <laughs> I'm gonna thank you, Troma. If only I could watch Jerry Orbach try to take a woman's clothing off in forty five seconds. Okay, so this is a woman whose only credit is this movie, and um, she is. Uh, Anytime Annie from his history and he and she's getting him back. What's going to happen is she's flashing. Back. They're going to find out that they have the same use. And that's the big joke. Oh, that's not a bad story idea. Right. That's I like that. Sure. Oh, you know, that reminds me of the movie The Muse with Sharon Stone and Albert Brooks. And she was the muse uh, to, like, Martin Scorsese shows up in real life. You know, Cameron, uh, James Cameron shows up as himself saying, that's my muse. I saw that and don't remember it. And that's I'm mixing right. it up with that Woody Allen film in which he meets... Mighty Aphrodite? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That was something completely different. That was like the mother of his adopted kid or something. I think like I never seen it. I stopped watching his movies, but I think it's like he gets Aphrodite herself shows up to aspire a writer. Uh no, she was a Okay, so it was something like she, I finally discovered like the mother of my kid or something and she expect because the kid is so great, he expects a really terrific person, but it ends up that she's a pornography actress uh, and she's stupid, you know, so it's all sorts of that Woody Allen awkwardness of, uh, she said something dumb and Woody Allen's like, how do I play this? You know, huh, maybe I'll it see was, it. you would know the actress. You would know the actress. I know the actress who it's Mira, Mira Serena. In yeah. And she was good. She went away. Well, you know, uh, but yeah. that was her heyday. 
You know, one of the reasons why she went away was that Harvey Weinstein assaulted her and uh, kind of blacklisted her. And when all the Weinstein uh-huh. news came out, her father, Paul Servino, was like, I'm going to fucking kill Harvey Weinstein, which is a fight right. I would love to see. That would be worse. I mean, I, I, I would suggest that they pay-per-view it. <laughs> Servino. I mean, if they re- yeah, don't give it away. Versus for Weinstein. <laughs> This time it's personal, you sick son of a bitch. <laughs> okay, so here's the muse. So the game is the game is uh he's revealing his hand, I guess. Saying I'm the muse of both yeah. Well, yeah, well, they discovered it. He, and they 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 were talking out and it was like, "Wait a minute. Does he wear a speedo even though he really shouldn't?" And then, so they they both put it together. And then the muse shows up, goes, "Okay, you found me out." And he starts giving a like a talk to them, and he goes, "Oh, this clunky language! It's this, you know, sentiment <laughs> is wasted on this clunky language." Anyway, it's just it's not a good thing. On paper, that seems really good, and they discover they have the same muse, but I don't know. Well, it's funny because her muse is a is kind of a built guy in a speedo, and his muse is a built guy in a speedo, and he's probably thinking at yeah. this point like. Huh. <laughs> Maybe I could have Yeah. At the end, they, like, pick up two stones and throw them in each other's glasses, and it kind of doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know. I, this is the fourth time I've seen this, and I don't know this what they're the doing. He's getting a call time. right now. So-and-so can't get it up. And he's like, I'm on my way. <laughs> what kind of cell phone is that? It's the thing around his neck? Yeah, it's like a... I don't know what it is, but uh, it it made that like French uh, police <laughs> sound, you know. Wow, this is all shot in a New York City apartment, man. Now they find like two stones or two eggs or something. It doesn't make sense. Let's see if they. In his eyes, it's a coruscation of hate. Dun dun. Dun dun. How about? They're um, they're exchanging writings right now because the muse was successful in breaking their block. Their cock block. I guess. <laughs> now they find two eggs. You do, all right? Let's yeah. Let's. I want to hear this. I don't know. Are they? What is that? Dead wild balls. Clunk. She gets it in and he misses, and that's supposed to be some. I don't know. He can't get it in. He can't get it in, Carl. Is it in yet? Uh, Oh, well. Clank. It doesn't matter. At least you won't choke. Aw. It ends on romance. Here's Corey. Science of sexology. It is always necessary to distinguish carefully between the perverted and the straight walk. Is a sweet child. Genius. I can't really talk over Corey. (laughs) Well, he would um, he he would try to be that pontificating professor, like you said. You see what he would do with this um, hair, and that's clearly because of Einstein's fame. People thought that smart people who are college professors have crazy hair. Right, the absent-minded professor. What a way to kind of dismiss some kind of issue. Uh, Yeah, he's just absent-minded, that's all. 
Uh, yeah. Well, he. Uh, fuck. I, 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 this movie reminds me of another movie, Four Rooms, which came out in the '90s. Oh, Zero Mustel is in this segment. Yeah. Four Rooms is the Estelle Parsons. This this segment is directed by the guy who directed Karate Kid and One Night in Heaven, which we did. Well, I don't think so. I think this one was directed by the guy who directed Rocky. Right, but that's the same guy who did One Night in Heaven same guy. and Karate gotcha. Kid. John G. Avinson. He passed away recently, too. Um, yeah, John oh, Swastika. G. It wasn't even yeah. tilted. So what it is is they're burning pornography. Oh, and yeah. the swastika is supposed to mean, like, it's overreach, you know, like... Yeah, you're just going too far. First Amendment. So is this World War II or is this New York City again? This is, um... Oh, I don't know. It looks I guess like, it's... Looks like the cover of Wish You Were Here. So the pre... Of, Piping Floyd, kind of. Yeah. So the president of the United States is seeing to smut burning. And we discover that the reason is he's tied to some mafiosa guy who wants to have a monopoly on the smut industry in the United States. So he's making the president try to put these companies out of business. Oh, man, that sucks. Poor Playboy. Now, that's the Mafia guy, and I could not find him on the internet who played him, and because he's also Zero Mustel. Whoa, so right now we're seeing a screen of Zero Mustel, split-screen zeros? Yeah, but the thing is, what he does is he makes his eyes all cockeyed, and he strains his face, and it's enough. You think he's a different person. Yeah, well, Zero's great. Although, I don't really, uh, I, I was never married to him, and I never dated Zero myself, so I don't need his orgasmic face in the cover of Foreplay for me to go, this is what I want to see. You know? His, his, yeah, he plays the president, and the guy in the middle you might recognize um, from um, Used Cars, but Which I, I recognize, what's that? I saw Used Cars, finally. It's a great movie. But I recognized him from Slapshot, in which he was the interviewer huh. with Paul Newman yeah, you know, I love on the that radio. Movie. Yeah, no, I don't remember that scene, but it's, it was... I well, he goes that. like, let me just tell you, I just want to tell you, I'm, I want, I'm putting a bounty on the head of, of what, McCracken, what's his name? Crack. Oh, well, That Paul, guy's a real jerk. Paul Newman. God, you know Paul this... Paul Newman said, I'm putting a bounty on the head of, uh, like, Charles McCracken. And this guy's like, you can't do that. You can't put a bounty on somebody. One of the first guy to really let that guy have it. I'm getting a hundred bucks out of it. Slapshot had two sequels back to back 20 years later. Uh, Maybe even 25 years later. It, it, they focused it on the, the brothers. Oh, the Canadians? Yeah. Uh-huh. The twins. Uh, the no, they were triplets. Triplets, triplets yeah. So funny. Because I guess you go to the video store and you're like, oh, <laughs> why not? Why not? Like the Bachelor Party had a 20-year sequel. Wow. With none of the original. Maybe Adrian Zemet, I guess, or maybe the, the guy with the mustache, or maybe the, the Carmen cake. There's going to be fire engines and the hookers. Now, the, this film was originally called The President's Women. I don't know why. 
Okay, let's listen because they make him say the word capiche, and it's you very funny. You want to make pictures of pussy as hard as to get as a fix of heroin? That's zero? Yeah, that's zero. You're not listening? Listen up. Oh, shit, fuck. I got beef. I got beef. And I understand. He goes, No, you don't understand. You say I capiche. I capiche. And he goes, I capiche. And I went, Oh, and he goes, He capiches. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we like that. That's fucking funny. Now, this isn't Camp David. It's It's Camp Camp Arnold. Arnold. Oh, God. Well, Camp David was a thing in the 70s. Yeah, that was Carter's hangout, man. Well, this is 75, right? So it was Agnew's hangout. Right, right, right. Oh, not Agnew. No, not Agnew. Agnew retired by that point. Ford. 75 might have still been. Jeff yeah, Ford. yeah, I think you're right. When did Nixon resign in 74? Well, Agnew re, uh, resigned prior to it, right? Yeah, because it was Ford who was vice president at that time. Yeah. And I'm sure Spiro Agnew was at home going, God damn it, God. Oh, I think Spiro Agnew was, no, no, he was at home going, phew. (laughs) (laughs) May no one remember me. (laughs) Because if he was vice president, he wouldn't wouldn't be able to pardon Nixon. And I think people would be like, speaking of Nixon, what the fuck are you still doing around? Yeah. Yeah. Now here he is as the normal president, and he really looks like a different person. Oh, no, thank you, Mr. President. I he, he shares my birthday, February 28th. Zero Mistel? Yeah. We saw his brother in uh, Stooge Mania. His son, I should oh. say. Josh oh. Mistel. Oh, that guy was his son? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I can see the resemblance. Oh, absolutely. Oh, is that John Verner? Double secret no, that's probation. once again, what? That's not, the, that's not the dean from National Lampoon's Animal House. No, that's the guy from uh, used cars and oh, okay, from, uh, you're right. Stick and he has the same glasses as Dean Vermeer. I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, Zero was one of those blacklisted people in the '50s, and uh, his testimony before the Un-American Activities Committee was well publicized. Like a lot of them weren't like. Certain people got a lot of press coverage, and he was one of the ones. You know, it's funny. We were talking about Electric Company. I remember, and and Sesame Street, Sesame Street released a book of photographs of Zero Mistel, and it was like emotions. And each page, Zero Mistel displayed an emotion. And it's such a, that book. Different face. Yeah, different face, and it had a lasting impression on me because I just thought, like, I love Zero Mistel, and I know he was, as an individual, he had his demons, what have you, but on stage, just in performances, he's always nothing short of uh, than amazing. Right. I loved him in The Producers. Yeah. The Producers, a uh, funny thing happened on the way to the forum, was he in? Yeah. And uh, was he in Fiddler on the Roof? No. Yep, yeah, he was. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's his big role. Of course he was. Well, on the stage one, on the stage one. Oh, he wasn't in the movie. Right. 
And there was a movie called The Front with uh, Woody Allen about blacklisted authors who had to use Woody Allen yeah. as, a, as a front. To, to, and I think Zero was in there. writer. Yeah. I think Zero was in there, and that ha- held some weight. That would make sense that he would be in it because of his history. Yeah. Because, yeah, he was blacklisted. Thank God he we made We just saw the first daughter. Shelly yeah. Plimpton. Plumpass. We saw her panties as she ran off. We did. Now, she, I think we saw Putney Swoop on this show, didn't we? No, we never did Putney Swoop. I've seen that movie. I love that movie. Okay. I went and rented that movie, too. And she was like in a, um, an interracial college couple. Uh, 1969, she was also in Arlo Guthrie's um, Alice's uh, Restaurant. Which I saw. She, was, she plays a 14-year-old who offers herself to Arlo, saying that she already made it with several other musicians, and you'll probably be on an album someday. And Arlo turned her down, saying, I don't want to catch your cold. <laughs> what a gentleman. So the, right now she's mad at her boyfriend for saying bad things about the parents. I owe everything to my daddy and mommy. Huh. Um, she is also, she created, I don't know how that works, but she created the role of Chrissy in the off-Broadway production of Hair, and she resumed that role when it moved to Broadway in 68. Oh, cool. Okay, two more cool things about her that have nothing to do with her talent. Uh, she is the mother of an actress named Martha Plimpton. Oh, yeah. Who she would recognize. She no, was I know Martha. Yeah, Goonies and uh, uh, Designing Women, I'm going to even say. But Martha Plimpton, yes, yeah. a lot of TV. A yeah. lot of TV. I like Martha Plimpton. She's very funny. The Good Wife, Grey's Anatomy, The Mosquito Coast. I've seen The Mosquito Coast the movie. I don't think I've watched a single second of Grey's Anatomy, even though that show has gone on longer than Law & Order. So the the... The the father of that woman, it doesn't say they were married, is Keith Carradine, brother of Kung Fu. Hi-ya! Wait a minute. Her, her, Martha Plimpton's dad is Keith Carradine? Yes. Martha Plimpton's dad is Keith Carradine, and mother is the one we're seeing here, Shelley Plimpton. Keith, Keith Carradine is like one of my favorite Carradines. I don't know. Do you have uh-huh. a preference? Because I know their father was John Carradine, who was I like hundreds Wai of... Chang. But he was in the Kung Fu show playing the, because he was the little brother, playing Kwai Chow Chang. How do you say it? Uh, Kwai Chang Kane. Can I, can he I, was I, playing his, his, him as a kid. I, I have to recommend a book to you. David Carradine wrote a uh, memoir uh, called uh, The Kill Bill Diaries, which was about the time he shot Kill Bill. And it's a great book. And, you know, it was released right prior to his death. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a great snapshot of, you know, who he is. And he, he doesn't really reflect on the stuff in the 70s or his previous career. It just focuses oh. on shooting Kill Bill. And he still comes across as uh, David Carradine. I felt it was kind of sad that one of his last movie roles was in um, Crank 2. Because in Crank 2... This uh-huh. is kind of a racist movie. I'm just going to high voltage. Uh, he they put him up in Asian makeup. They dress him up in yellow face. And he plays like an old Chinese guy. What year? Uh, Crank Two was in the '90s. I would say '97, maybe '99, maybe even 2000s. Mm, that that wasn't cool in 
Yeah, no, that was right. that was kind of wrapping mm. that shit up. I guess it was around the time it was Kill Bill. So after Kill Bill, so maybe it was oh six. It's just a you know it was a it was a I don't know it, was, uh, it just seemed like it was a nod to to kung fu, but it also it, it kind of more cohesed to the humor of Crank High Voltage. You have you ever seen Crank High Voltage? Nope. Have you seen Crank? I is that the one where the guy's gonna you know he can't have a resting heart rate or he'll die? Right. It's like DOA. Yeah. He got poisoned. He has twenty four hours I to avenge him. So. Dude, it's pretty out there and it's fun, but in this, and it, and it ends with him dying, right? He falls from a plane. There's no way he's going to fucking survive. And then the sequel, right. he lands and his body is carried off and he's res- resurrected and he suddenly <laughs> becomes like Jason. He's just unkillable and he just kills everybody. So your hero in the action film is a serial killer. Which is, oh. which is always an interesting take on these action films. Isn't you know, is it Bruce Willis more like Jason in these movies if he's just fucking killing everybody? Everybody. And, and he's unstoppable. Yeah. And but the humor kind of ramps up like uh ethnic stereotypes to a maximum. Whereas the first one kind of flirted with it. Uh this one just kinda every- Okay, I gotta interrupt you. Okay, I please gotta do. please you. please interrupt me. Okay. Call the president now. So the president's daughter was kidnapped and the ransom is you have to have sex on TV in front of the nation. So we had all this first lady stuff. That is also the first lady. That is the same actress. Oh, cool. I like that. Her name is Estelle Parsons and she studied law. Isn't there a Parsons school of law? Parsons school of something, isn't there? Yeah. So she studied law, but she said, screw that, and became a singer. And then she said, screw that, and she became an actress. And she was still <laughs> successful. You might know her as Roseanne's mom. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I know she was an Oscar. Is she the actress from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest that they promote on this no, one? No. No. She was in Bonnie and Clyde. She okay. was in Dick Tracy. She was in All of the Family. Wow. Huh, I wonder... If- I wonder if she was in Dick Tracy because of Warren Beatty. Who is in Because Bonnie of Bonnie Clyde. and Clyde? Yeah. Could be. Yeah. It could be. I think that, okay, one of the actors we're going to meet here, okay, this is a very funny joke, actually. Believe right. it or not, this movie actually does something funny. It's like, here's a tape of us torturing your daughter. But the way they're torturing her is they're making her eat fake beans. <laughs> He's like, no, please stop! And he goes, oh, have another bite. Come on. <sighs> Torture. Um, here we're going to see a general named uh, I don't know, Thayer David. He was Werewolf of Washington. He was oh, in wow. Rocky. Oh, and cool. the guy who directed this segment did Rocky. And yeah. I bet you. This is why he was in Rocky. Now, do you feel like this is well directed? Because I do like that director. It seems a little shat- shattered. It's okay. I don't know. Slapshot is one of the word I'm trying to think of. It's just kind of like, even this scene, their their heads are cut off, and it's just the camera kind of yeah. pulls out, and they're using natural lighting from outside. I think it's yeah. just a quickie. Like they just had to get this out. Probably. You know. So is this the plot? So the plot of this is that he has to have sex with his wife in public. On national TV, after All in the Family. All right, <laughs> that's pretty funny. 
I, I don't I haven't watched this TV series Black Mirror but it's the most famous episode is that the Prime Minister or it might have been the President yeah. had to have sex no, with, Prime Minister had to have sex with a pig on live television yep. and that at the first second everyone was like ah oh, ha ha and then people were like oh gross and then people really regret you know they feel bad for him so it, it kind of reminds me of that that episode this this segment well yeah and I thought of that when I was when I saw this film, I was wondering if Black Mirror got the idea from that. Because I remember, like, okay, in this thing, he's like, we're not doing that. And then they're like, right now he's getting the news from Slapstick guy, Slapshot guy, that the nation is for this. And he's like, you got to do it if you want your daughter back. So <laughs> it was the same thing. The prime minister in that episode is like, well, of course, that's preposterous. Oh, yes, of course, Mr. Prime Minister. And they go on with the episode. It's ridiculous. We won't be doing that. No, Mr. Prime Minister. And then they get to the point and they're like, they're like, Niles, sit down. Let's <laughs> talk. Talk about what? And they're Fucking like, you're going to have to do this. All right, Carl, I'm going to name some presidents. And you tell me if you would want to watch the, the, the president and the first lady and if you would want to watch them have sex after okay. it all in the family. Okay. The Clintons? Lyndon Johnson? No. No? Lady Bird? You don't want to see? The... <laughs> uh, no, no. All right. No, no. Uh, JFK? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bill and, and Hillary Clinton? Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. although he yeah. would be faking it. Um, I would have, you know, there's a dynamic there. It would be so interesting. What about Gerald Ford? Maybe, do you think he sweats no. and his forehead sweats? <laughs> I, just, I don't know. He but. looks like he's having the old face all the time anyway. <laughs> uh, With, uh, she would she would have been on drugs. You would totally watch Nancy and Ron, right? Ron and Nancy. No. No? No. What's well, wrong with you? Because Nancy's repulsive and Ron is just I just I don't no, think he no. I don't think he ever had no offense to anyone who uh to the president of the United States, but I don't think he ever had an erection during the eighties. <laughs> There's David Thayer, one of my favorites. I can't like you, Rocky. That's a good. <laughs> That's so cool. That is why. As for sparring, of sparring partner, I'm very available. No, he wants to give you a shot at the title. I've never seen Rocky. Oh, run. I don't think I can do that. All right, Rocky, but weigh your options. A chance like this will never come along again. I have to admit, Carl does the best Rocky. Uh, we did a public a TV, uh, public access television show 25 years ago. Oh, yeah. And you yeah. did Rocky for it. You're like, come on, Rocky. What was it? Stick a move. It was Stick you, were, move. you were training Stick your son. Move. Little Rock. And you punch him in the head. Little Rock. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually a little brother of, I had no children at that point. That was a little brother of um, uh, a former yeah. I forget. Was it your fiance's kid? Uh, no, brother? no, I didn't know Sandy at that time. I mean, huh. we were talking about. Yeah, we're talking about early nineties. It was like it was, ninety. It was a parody of Rocky Four, so that's you know. I have to tell you something. I went to see Heather's at the Village Gate, and yeah. before the the trailer, they had a trailer where Rocky dies and he has to fight outside the pearly gates to get into heaven, and it was for Rocky Four. And what? And when I when Rocky Four came out, well, no, Rocky Five. Rocky Four was the Russian, 
And when Rocky V came out, it was about him and his son, Sage or whatever. And I was like, wait a minute. No, I saw a fucking trailer yeah, where Rocky right. had they a changed fight. changed mind, I guess. It's so weird. I wonder if that's on YouTube, that video. And I, you know, I was uh, young, dumb, and pretty wasted at the time. So I, I mm-hmm. to this day, I think like, ah, just I was pretty trashed. I don't think that actually happened, but. Now, this guy was the cardinal in Ghostbusters in the mayor's office. Huh. And also, they're talking about the Supreme Court decision right now. Like, is it okay for you to have sex on uh, TV? And they're discussing this Miller versus whatever. It's kind of their inside joke of the, uh, you know, it's relevant to the day. I mean, it was just decided. Tim McDermott is his name. Cool. Okay, now, he was on a show called Captain Video and the Vide- and his Video Rangers. Which is a 1950s thing, right? Yeah. And people consider this to be the precursor to Mr. Spock, his character. Huh. So that's my Star Trek connection. Yeah, there's no Star Trek connection. There's, like, tons of other connections, though. There's like a- well, I mean, this counts. I mean, if he influenced Mr. Spock's creation as a character... I mean, maybe it's a stretch, but he's like Star Trek connected. Sounds like a stretch. I mean, Captain Video okay. was like one of the first science fiction television shows. Mm-hmm. It's Captain Video. By the way, they offered Zero's role to Rodney Dangerfield, who turned it down. Ah. Well, he, Rodney Dangerfield did The Projectionist around this time, so he had his own shitty New York City film to shoot. <laughs> Do you know who Sylvia Miles is? Uh, yeah, no, I should. Smiles. Her first initial is S, right? So smiles. You should smiles more. Smiles. Hey, okay, now we have Zero again pretending to be the mob guy, and he does it so well. Now, this is right after Godfather came out, too. Forces his face and he squeezes his eyes and he. Guy's a genius. He can. He has more acting in his pinky than most actors. Okay, now I couldn't find out who this guy is, and you know his face. You've seen him before. All right. Uh, he must be from New York, right? Yeah, he's clearly from New York. But the thing is, why did they skip him? Jesus. He's got his glasses on now, but... Does, is New York City that. like this still? I haven't been to the city in a long time. Like, you could tell everyone's from New York. There's no way you can't say they're not from New York City. <clears throat> well, I mean, sure. Yeah. There's, yeah, absolutely. There's uh, stereotypes walking the streets in New York, for sure. So I could see a guy in a uh, wife beater, sleeveless wife beater, and black suspenders. Yeah, you'll see him on the street, absolutely. All right, that's all I need to know. He is not a good waiter. He's going to drink of my water! Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No tip for you. How much did it cost you? $25. I paid only $2 for the same one last week. I can't understand why it keeps on going up. Is that Playboy they're talking about? Okay, so what it's saying is, where did you get this magazine? He says he had to travel like 25 miles to get it. How much did you pay? I paid $75. Wow. And 
you know, only you, it was only four dollars. But like, so obviously, like the mafia guy's plan is working. Oh, because it's smut, and now he controls right. the market. Right. Interesting. There's the first lady, and she's like scared because she heard rats, and she's at. When this guy takes his glasses off, you might recognize him. I'm not sure where I know him from, but but you've seen him before. Um, All right. I don't not not believe you. Thing you don't like, you show him to me. I'll take care of him. <laughs> so what we've learned now is the mafia guy who's controlling the president is actually the guy who kidnapped the daughter, and he didn't want ransom. He just wants to see him screw on TV. Huh. I mean, he's he's a man of power. You the Obamas? I guess I would watch that. At least I know they there there are a couple that would actually want to have sex. That is true. Yeah. Oh, and then of course our current president. <laughs> I guess only JFK is the only one I would be interested oh, right. in. If you could pick one president, your choice would be JFK, and my choice would be probably Ulysses S. Grant. <laughs> if you could get it up he wasn't too drug well who's the one so, who's the one who died in like 30 days Harding wasn't it I don't remember I do remember that was covered in school yeah because he walked his his inaugurational parade he walked it and then he died like 30 days later <laughs> from that oh I, I maybe it's from syphilis I would have to watch the fuck tape to see <laughs> <laughs> he'd probably be all out of breath so what's going to happen here is some Stockholm syndrome, and she's actually going to sleep with him. And they're like, you know, I don't know. She compares it to her fiance, and this is the longest segment. This is the first segment in this movie that that uh, Professor McCory doesn't interrupt. <laughs> yeah. Now this is the first lady, and she's preparing for her sex, and she's got some sort of masseuse guy here loosening her up. Good. Yeah, you, you should definitely. She looks so much different than the barmaid who she. Oh, is it was also, also. played. Plays it like zero. It just squints his one eye, and suddenly a different character. Yeah, and she only does it with, um, you know, her her dress and her mannerisms. We should say that the masseuse is massaging her. She's lying on the table, and he is standing over her face. We should say it because people aren't watching the movie. I don't want to believe that. Oh, yeah, right. Well, he looks like he's going to take a shit on her. Well, what he's doing right now is he's saying, he's saying, I don't know if I can keep going. My mind is on my brother-in-law's tax situation in which uh, he owes the IRS. And she goes, well, fix it. Keep yeah, going. That's how you do it. That's how you get your taxes done. <laughs> All right. I'm done with this movie, Carl. Okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, now look at his face. Maybe you'll recognize him. Okay. Yeah, he looks like Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, I know. Who you're, yeah, you're right. He's got that smiley boy face. Right, and he yeah. plays either like a dumb guy, an autistic guy, a monster guy. He always plays... Right. Well, look at him. He's had his shirt acting. off. He's proud and loud on that. I don't think I would take my shirt off, and he looks bigger than me. He's got more hair than now, me. She doesn't know that they're going to have sex on TV. She's been kidnapped, so she's going to get a surprise when he says, I got something special for you. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, during Climax, you do me a favor and say, stay tuned for Sanford and Son? Thank you. <laughs> no, that was NBC, Sanford and Son. She is not familiar with sex. She might have just been a virgin. They don't say that. But now he's educating her, and he's, he's got the porno out, and he's like, turn to page 34 if you want to learn how to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so she's the first lady? Look how big that remote is, Mike. Look how big it is and clunky. Yeah, but you don't have to get up and just turn, change the channel. So she goes, hey, that's Daddy's thingy. <laughs> that's his theme song. Oh, so the the first daughter doesn't realize that she's going to watch her parents have sex. Right, and Zero is going to now address the nation. Like, as you know, my daughter was brutally kidnapped. What do you mean brutally? And um, we've got to do it. And so he's going to walk into the bed. He's going to appeal to people, turn your sex off if you have any decency. <laughs> it's going to get down and dirty. And the mobster guy, who's also Zero, is like, no, I don't want to turn on my set off. I don't want to watch you. i got to watch you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the mobster really guy... really did a good job. Yeah. Oh, we love... Zero was still great, but, you know, the guy couldn't get work. And he was also <laughs> just, like, uh, personally, he was just in a mess. Well, uh, that whole time he couldn't get work is packed now. Uh, that on... Un American. Yeah, but he also, like, he just had his personality or something with, with them that people uh -huh. didn't, didn't work with him. I don't oh, know. I, I, maybe I'm just disparaging the guy. An intimate relation. His dog drank. Zero Mastel's dog was a Hollywood dog that drank? I don't know if he was in that. Do you, do you know the book I'm talking about? It's a famous old book. Uh, yeah, because it's called Hollywood, Hollywood Dogs That Drink, second edition. Uh -huh. And it listed all like Lassie and Beethoven, of course. We've talked about this on the show. Eddie, who yeah, passed away yeah, recently we from Frazier. Yeah, we both read it. Yeah, we both read it. I was a little shocked about Tiger, of course, in the Brady Bunch and how uh, disruptive yeah. he, he disrupted the set. Yeah. Well, you know, but I don't blame Tiger. I mean, I read that book. You know, he wasn't making disruption. The guy, disruption, the guy was just drinking. It was Mr. Brady had a problem. That's true. Robert Reed said, I can't work on the kitchen set. It smells like dog food and vodka. Because the water dish was filled with vodka on the Brady mm -hmm. And dog food. Oh, yeah, right. And dog food. Okay, here we go. Okay, so there's the first lady as a barmaid. And she's like, I love it. And there ladies, she is as the first lady. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States fucking his wife. We're gonna nut some butter. <laughs> I think I've ever but guess that. what? Yeah. You can't get it up. Well, yeah, performance. It's tough. Live TV is tough. And then the mobster boss starts bragging about his own thing. Mine like a biggest. <laughs> There's never been a live sex act on television, right? Is there a record of that? Like they cut back to the news and they're fucking. Oops. Anyway, here's Roger with sports. <laughs> <laughs> There's been certainly nudity, and especially on those kinds of live TV situations oh, yeah, yeah. like the news. But no, I don't think. Now, there's been times in movies in which they were actually doing it. Really? Yeah. And lots of those stories and you can google them uh like the it was it was the actress who like was getting a surprise 
Ugh. What? And then she just went with it. <laughs> Don't look back with Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie. It was notorious because the people believed that sex scene was real, but I believe it was not. Uh-huh. If it, that was the movie I'm thinking of, the, Chris, the Nicholas Rugg movie. It could be because I... I'm going back a long time learning this information. There, you ever see the TV show Action with uh, Jay Moore? No. Uh, my my wife just read Jay Moore's book. Uh, no, I didn't see that. Well, it was... Uh, there's a scene where they're shooting a scene and they're having a sex scene and the, they, the actress goes, he put it in. <laughs> he was in a great film. He did a horrible performance, but he was in a great film. Tell me. Uh, called Speaking of Sex. Huh. Was that a recent Very film? funny, funny film. He's killing it on the podcast world. Jay Moore? Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm sure. But it was one point this where he was, was in um, everything. It was Bill Murray. Um, it was... Uh, well, anyway, speaking of sex, I highly recommend it. It's right. very, very funny. Well, speaking of sex, here's Zero Marcel doing it with his wife on national television. Hey, we're on the air. Get the hell out of here. Are you cognizant of the fact that you're about to commit a felony? Frank Hurtlemeyer, White House Chief of Staff. Maybe you've heard of me. I'm here to see that you don't overstep community standards. Oh, yeah, I saw you in... in... Yeah, meet the press. You were excellent. put a bounty on the head of Phil McCracken. That guy really burns me up. <laughs> you can't put a bounty on a man's head. Hundred dollars to the first guy who really takes a punch at that guy. Is that Rocky again? <laughs> well, it's cracking. Paul Newman and Flat. Oh right, yeah, 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 you're right. Okay. Look how they split the screen. The chief of staff made him split the screen. Oh, I see. So you can see the top and the feet. I don't think I've ever not seen the butt in between. Love American style. It's love American style. <laughs> God, these are all great references. Back in 1975. Oh, you know, I was actually, I had a DVD collection of Love American Style. You know how they, mm-hmm. they reissued them? There's so many episodes, they had to break it down. It was like six discs for like the first season, for half of the first season. Not, maybe oh. four discs. It's a lot. Oh, poor so he can't, he can't get it up. And... She's like, poor daddy. Yeah, poor daddy indeed. Nobody turned their sets off when the man appealed, when he appealed to them. You know, the problem is, is that he just followed all in the family. At that point, psst, libido's out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when Edith was kissed. Hey, is it up and get up? Hey, look how I stand up and... It's like a grande pepperoni. <laughs> now, who's under the blanket? His pepperoni. Oh, the oh, is there somebody under the blanket for the gangster? Yep. Huh, is it the first daughter? <laughs> no, she's kidnapped in All the right. basement with the son. This is ridiculous. Now they're like, going to have a fight. Look, yeah. he really hits him. Watch. He goes, crack! Wow. I came <laughs> yeah. to this bar and drink and watched the President of the United States fuck the First Lady. Fuck you. How does this end, Carl? Now, 
it ends just like he can't get it up, and then the first lady wants to. She talks down our society's strict, uh, you know, insistence on men being men, and you can listen. Tune in to see what kind of body I have. Oh, you overhear all the little pet names we whisper to each other. You wanted to see if my husband could make it. Well, he can't. And now everybody knows. It sounds like my wife on Twitter after the fact. To see the most powerful man in the history of the world reduced to a pitiful, helpless schmuck. Does make a bit of difference? Wow. First lady used the Yiddish word. Wants to. What counts is whether people love each other. That's the only thing that matters in this rotten world. And I still love my husband. And my husband loves me. And I don't care if everybody knows that we haven't had sex since our daughter was born because it just doesn't matter. Shit, daughter is like 26 years old. There she is. If only I can be like her when I grow up. Art. He's under a lot of pressure all the time. And one of the worst pressures is one that he shares with most. Of the three, this one was the funniest. But at yeah. this point, we're losing the funny because it's wrapping up. And I, I, I agree, know. but I like the Paul Paulson one with uh, up front just because it, it was funny and short. Yep. And this one's funny, but too long. Now we're going to hear a song while the credits roll called the inaugural ball. Oh, uh, ball. Get but it. The thing is, it's so great to be alive in today's world where you don't have to be subjected to that horrible music. It's like oh. ragtime <laughs> meets Jay, like John Philip Sousa meets ragtime, well. kind of vaudevillian. Okay. It's the Supreme court justice. The uh, guy who was the archbishop in Ghostbusters, and he's going, you want to be a president? Get it up. Yeah, he goes, then get back under the blanket. <laughs> American intuition. Better get her back under the sheets. Oh, yes. Oh. Alright, I got it. Well, this has been our show. We still have 15 yeah. more minutes of this movie, but I, I'm done with it. We do? No, don't we? Oh, is it almost over? It should be wrapping up now. Um, I put it on the Chromecast, so I can't see the minutes now. Oh, yeah. You can see it, right? Oh, how exciting you watch this on Chromecast. Yeah, but no, I have to move. I have to stand up. That's all right. It's ending. Here we go. Here's that music you're telling me about. Everybody's so happy yeah, this kind of like, you know, you hear the banjo. Yeah. And you see guys in those barbershop quartet outfits. Sure. The ragtime. We we're nostalgic for the 1890s. Right. The thing is, it's not ragtime. It's like, yeah, yeah, 1890s. It's like a ra- that player piano and the clunkity clunkity. But he's singing. And, you know, this. He's crooning where you have to perch your mouth and sing through a megaphone like a you know like there's no electricity so you have to sing directly into a like a cone so <laughs> yeah. i could hear you so you gotta throw your but, voice like this yeah but i never understood like okay so you remember people used to talk with that what do you say pa-, you know like that uh mid-atlantic panther whatever it is 
This sort of thing, sort of thing happened on scene. People would have to play their fake voice, like you heard it in the twenties yeah. and thirties. Well, we still have that voice now. Like if you have a NPR voice, they they pitch it in a way that it doesn't sound like you can't recognize what kind of where where the guy's from. It's always this kind of yeah. yeah. All right, so wow. I'm just saying it's analogous. They have it for music too, and it's that kind of rah, 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 rah. terrible. My wow. opinion. Wow, that's it. So Professor Corey doesn't wrap up this movie. No. He should. No. Do you feel like he should? Like he hosted it? Do you Absolutely. think the host should come in? And now we had three different directors. We really had four, and that's what I blame. The thing is, the executive producer should have stepped up to the plate and said. I'm the one who has to be responsible to make all three of these things fit together as a unit. And I don't think that did happen. Each one was its own separate thing. Yeah, and, and Corey was, is not at the end. Thank you for watching the perfunctory um, of the... Perf- yeah, you know, he should yeah. have been. Yeah, he should have. He should have said something about sex and then, you know... Because that way you can give you enough time to wipe the cum off uh, with a na- <laughs> your cum off with a tissue and zip up your pants before the credits roll. Yeah, I you mean, think of the little things, Mike. You should have executive as, produced as a this filmmaker. Film. You have to think of your audience. <laughs> it's relatable what you're saying. Everybody's well there. So we just saw foreplay from 1975 with Zero Mostel, Jerry Orbach. Carl, what you think? Um, well, um, uh, there were some funny things in it. There really were, and there was some talent. Yeah, like zero playing the two parts and such, but um, overall it was not very funny. It just it didn't. You know, it uh, it reminded me of National Lampoon's going to the movies, which we which we watched, which is an anthology of different parodies of movies, and this one was actually a little bit tighter and funnier than I thought. Mm, That's good. I I thought like for something that would fall apart. It, it held on for the most part, but yeah, it wasn't that great. It was a great choice for your show, that's for oh, sure. Shucks. Lots to talk about. No, but really, lots to talk about, lots of different um, uh, players involved. Everybody's got their history. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, Star I should, Trek connection. I had, a, I, I had brought something up, and I just want to wrap it up before I lose the thought. There was a movie called Four Rooms, which is an anthology movie. They were going to call it with different directors, and it was originally Five Rooms, but Richard Linklater dropped out of it. That's similar. Yeah, because this movie is called Foreplay because they were going to have four different uh, directed segments, and they had three, but they still called it Foreplay. Yeah. They did not change it to threesome. Well, uh, <laughs> that would have been better, Mike. You should have executive produced this film. I totally. I should have. Yeah, back in 1975, I was a perfect age. <laughs> I was eight years old. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank the remaining listeners of our show, of course. And uh, as always, we will be back next Sunday. We stream this live through mutinyradio.fm. Sunday's 2 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, this is listener-supported, so all you have to do is go to mutinyradio.fm, click the Donate button, and donate $5 via PayPal. Help the station float. There'll be some. Uh, we're doing some benefits stuff next month, so... Uh, support Muni Radio or you could just subscribe to our podcast using your favorite podcast uh, app uh, if you are you need to type in our acronym L, search for our acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T I spent all night saying that so now I got it down <laughs> <laughs> Carl our next movie our movie next week does not have a trailer oh, uh, okay 
but I'm gonna right now I'm playing the intro. A chair is still a chair. Even when there's no one sitting there. Think you can uh, guess this movie? No, I cannot. This is based on a book by Polly Adler. Uh, it's a true life story. It's her memoirs. It's called A House is Not a Home. She was a Jewish madam who ran a bordello. And she was a part of pop culture. Her book took off. And they made a movie with Shirley Winters playing her. And Shirley oh. Winters looks fantastic. And uh, it, the reason why I picked this movie is that Sergio Argones, uh, the Mad Magazine cartoonist, actually had a one-panel mm-hmm. gag strip about her, about a Jewish matron, and uh-huh. madam. And they had all these jokes about it. And I read about it in the uh, comic book magazine Hogan's Alley. And, I, and they mentioned they made a movie based on her book. And gotcha. I said, shit, I wonder if it's there. So just to let you know, that's the movie we're going to be watching next week. What from year? Ni- what year? 1964. Okay. A House is Not a Home, 1964. Right. And I'm on a, the case. It's Luther Vandross uh, did a cover of this song. And uh, Burt Bacharach, I think, wrote the song. Uh, so it's a, it's a famous song. But she's she had a weird moment in pop culture. She ran a bordello. She wrote a book. It became a bestseller. It became a movie, and it became a comic book, a comic strip. That day's Heidi Slice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Heidi never had a, a flash animation about her. Nope. nope. So uh, that's our movie next week. So we would love for you to uh, be part of it. And as always, thank you, audience, so much. Carl, you are the best. The show would not exist without <laughs> Carl. Uh, Thank you. And follow up on Carl. Go to his website, carlsucks.com or carl.sucks, and see what shows he's doing on the East Coast. (coughs) And as for me, I'm doing, I'm busy doing nothing. So don't, don't worry about me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go to Luggage Tuesdays right now. Yeah, don't go to Luggage Tuesdays in there right now. Don't follow me on Twitter on Spiegelmania. Just don't do it. The um, the um, the open mic bit is. Is, was taken down after your show last night. What was that? You know, with the Adam's joke of Bob Dylan. Oh, I got you. All right. Yeah, Took we had... I, and I also I've, made sure that the references on Facebook are gone. All right. And you know what? I thought it was cool. I was thinking about it. Carl did a set where he just quoted me uh, repeatedly, and every joke he did, he would tag it with, that was written by Mike Spiegelman. I think, <laughs> in retrospect, I would say, open with your own joke and say, I just wrote it. Do three mm-hmm. of my joke. Do the joke that you say that joke was co-written by Mike Spiegelman. I just want to give him credit, and then tell a joke of mine and say that was Mike Spiegelman. That was totally by Mike Spiegelman, and then uh, and then tell a couple more of your jokes, and then later in do a callback. Gotcha. You know, and that way you're not wasting I your time. New, I need new material. You got to start writing. All right, I will, but don't material. credit me. Pretend it's yours because you okay. are going on stage because of the passion you love about comedy and express who you are <laughs> and it's your worldview and you're not just some guy going on stage and telling other people's jokes. <laughs> if you, you say so. No, I'm saying like you, because it's, it's about you. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. about the jokes and you don't want to come across as some Weirdo who's, who came over to the club just to tell other people's jokes. Tell this story. I know we're leaving now. What yeah. time is it? Is it yeah, time we, have, we, have, we have plenty of time. Okay, there's a story about a guy who like was in San Francisco in the comedy scene. He was a big part of it, uh, at least in the open mic level. And then he left to go to Georgia. Okay. I don't know this story. 
Well, when he was in Georgia, he told everybody's joke. Oh, yes, I do know this story. So he's a good friend of mine, too. And uh, he went to a different part of, uh, yeah, let's say Georgia. He went to Georgia. And he wind up, he got caught. His act is consisted of material from comedians he knew here in the city. And I had a <laughs> comedian friend like call the club and say, that guy's a joke thief. And he got kicked out. And then word got around here, and my friend Bruce Cherry, who looked a lot like Zero Mostel in this movie, uh, at least, wow. in, at least in the, no, in the Photoshop, he looked like Bruce, the face he was making. Bruce goes, uh, Spiegelman, you'd probably be upset that he didn't use your jokes. And he would say, like, he would go, oh, yeah, oh, he's gone feral. He's gone feral. You got to put a comedian <laughs> down. When they take the material, they've gone feral. You got to put him down, Spiegelman. And uh, which is funny because another comedian I know moved to another town and started doing Bruce's joke and got called on. Wait, it. wait, but there's, there's a bit of a punch, right? I mean, you, the guy was oh, like, yeah, he doesn't yeah. do your stuff, and then you checked it out. Yeah, so years later, and I'm still friends with this comedian, and he has retired uh, comedy wise. And I told him what Bruce told me, and we both had a laugh about it. He said, No, I did do your jokes. Yeah, 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 vindication. Yeah, and then I found out from another comic who was in Georgia at the time, Georgia, and he said that, uh, yeah, he actually had a weird moment. Yeah, I did a joke, it's like pre-Twitter joke about you could tell a bad movie when a fruit stand gets knocked over. It wasn't anything that I would stand by mm-hmm. today, like because I've heard other people do it, and it wasn't a fully formed joke in my opinion. Like it didn't, it it wasn't worthy for. It was funny, but not funny for a live show, uh-huh. and. Uh, the story I heard was that our friend went on, went to perform and one of the audience members says, you can do that fruit stand joke. And the way he said it, it implied that he knew it wasn't his. So, (laughs) but yeah, it it happens, but I I think he made amends and I'm still friends. But I'm wrong about Georgia. I, you know, I like Georgia. It doesn't matter. I, let's put some distance on it. He did leave the San Francisco area. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where it is. So why not? He was outside of San Francisco. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, that's the story. How about that? I like it. <laughs> he he's stealing people's material. He's gone feral, Spiegelman. You got to put him down, Bruce. Put Sherry. him down. I love Bruce. He's Sherry. got rabies. Spiegelman, you you were probably upset that he didn't use any of your jokes. <laughs> I feel sorry for you, Mike. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, Only t- the giants get stolen. Can I tell you another Bruce Cherry joke? Just because I want to get mm-hmm. Bruce Cherry's name out. Bruce Cherry and I went to see a movie. We went to see X-Men back in the day. And we go up to the booth, ticket booth and he turns to me and he goes, I got, free, I got a pair of free tickets. And he turns oh. to the ticket and he goes, one for X-Men. Wait, I don't get it. He got a pair of he goes, free tickets? I have, I have two free tickets. And he goes to the, the ticket clerk and he goes, one for X-Men. I had to pay for my own ticket. He told me he had two free tickets and he wouldn't get share it with me. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. that was a joke. Did I meet Bruce Cherry at an open mic and he was making fun of... Uh, not making fun of... No, but no, he no. Was, he was, was not. The, That's not him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bruce is, is it Buck Cherry? Does he, did no. he take it on the plane? He was on the couch? He was on the... No. I don't okay. All right. Well, he's a, he's a, one of the funniest comics. I know he writes for radio right now for a radio show, uh, but uh-huh. I just want to give a shout out to him because uh, I think he's great. Any comedian you want to give a shout out before we wrap up? Uh, 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 no. All right. We're, then we're done. So guys, thanks so much. Thank you, Carl. 
Thank you. Thank See you, you audience. Soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good special happy hour prices all night long with your mutiny radio comedy festival ticket march carl come in carl here i am what are we doing a so we're, we're just a quick promo for our show so it'll be on the breaker for next month should i play the song or yeah you want to do that because I, I have i have on soundcloud the old one cue we could do it like we did the original one you just play the quick short one and i say hi i'm okay. one. no no then... no you play the let's do the recorded one it's better are you sure yeah definitely oh no actually why don't you just play because i i have to go press two buttons at the same time or why don't we just speak okay what do we we just let people know it'll be on this you know okay so no, let's not do like last time. Come on. All right. Like, let's plan it. So okay. I, are we still on the air? Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> okay. This is going to be at let's the end of our podcast. Let's not do like last time, folks. I know you're used to that one. But like, maybe I could, I could play Let's Watch full-length movie on YouTube with Michael Spiegelman, and then you say like... Every Sunday. Whatever's your... Right. Yeah. 
And then what am I going to say? Are you going to say the same thing? No. Do you like them? And the, I'll, well, I'll do this. Cut me off. If anything, we'll keep it under 30 seconds, uh, ideally. But what, we'll, I'll, you, we'll intro and outro with the, the song, and I appreciate you playing it live. And I'll say, uh, listen to, we watch a full-length movie on YouTube. We riff it. We talk it. We ignore it with you. And then I'll just give the thing, and then I'll mention the podcast name, too. No, but what do I say? Like you, Oh, like I'll say. I'll sing the thing. I'll, you, you sing the thing. I'll say, I'm Mike Spiegelman, and I'll let you say, I'm Carl. Uh, we host Let's no, Watch. No, no, no. we don't do it. That, that doesn't work. All right, just okay. playing the song. All right, play, so the, play the song. Yeah. And you're going to do your spiel. Yeah. But how will you... End it? Call me. And I'll, I'll say, uh, uh, right, Carl? Or I don't know. Uh, uh, well, let's just take two seconds to think it through because right. that's exactly what's going to happen on our promo. I don't know. Okay. And then it's immortalized. Yeah. It's played over and over right. and over again. Well, they're chosen by you, cut off. Alright. So, Why don't we say, uh, you play the song and go, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. Is the podcast where we watch a full-length movie on YouTube with you. You watch the movie and listen to the podcast at the same time. It's available on the podcast feed as L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T and it stars us, Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Right, Carl? And here's then the, I say... Carl, here's... The, yeah, and then you say whatever you guys say. Let's do it. Ready? Wait, 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 wait. Please write down on a piece of paper, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. <laughs> no, I got it, buddy. Mike, I got it. I got trip, it, pal. You trip over it. I'm not... No way, pal. I got it. <laughs> okay, All but right, what buddy. do I say? You're going to say... You're going to say, isn't that right, Carl? And I say, that's right! All right, say, Carl, the play the... over? Uh, say, Carl, play the theme. Okay. All right, here's the theme song by Carl. All right, ready? Uh, you can play in three, two, one. Let's watch full-length movies on YouTube with Michael Spiegelman. Hi, I'm Mike Spiegelman. Carl and I watches a full-length movie on YouTube with you every Sunday on MutinyRadio.fm, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or follow us on the podcast with our acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. I got it in the first take, Carl. Boom! L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Here's the song by Carl. iTunes. <clears throat> Lad Black Fooling Movie On YouTube With Mike Spiegelman Perfect, Carl. That's 44 minutes. I'm going to go play the... That's it. We're done. Okay, but wait. Yeah. I said Michael Spiegelman. I don't so give a shit. Do I don't give a shit. Okay. No. okay. Uh, one take and we're done. One and done. Okay. All right. Thank you, Carl. Okay. See you next time. Thank yeah. you. Bye. See a podcast. Are ye on a raft without a patter? We'll gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Ah. Uh. 
Asiento. Asiento. Take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket, March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. To Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t shirt and hoodie designs and mind bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Welcome, Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5, Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, punk rock and schlock delivers super fun 
fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter-offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Benders is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Benders Bar and Grill. Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Navoa. And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at mutinyradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And struggles and challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes, and there'll be plenty of dick jokes, so don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah, I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips. Don't know anything about it. Sorry. All so, on my limited view. Yes. Every Tuesday from 12 to 2. Uh, oh, you can if you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah. And Google Play. And Stitcher. iTunes. Oh, you already said that. TuneIn Radio. Uh, Stitcher, you said that. Spotify. Oh, my God. There's just so many. And Overcast. Um, yes. You can also find us on social media. M as in Mary. L as in Larry. P as in Peter. Podcast MOV Podcast is our handle. Until next time, I hope you're enjoying your view. Yes. Bye. Bye. That, that kind of sucked balls. Good evening, there, my friends. Here at MutinyRadio.fm, Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics, it's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. 
No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Mutiny Radio listener, it's that time of year again. March 1st through 5th, it's time for the 4th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Over 40 comics, 25 shows, 5 days, all here at Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street at Florida Street. 25 shows, 5 days, amazing comics from all over the United States here in San Francisco to entertain you with 25 differently themed shows hosted by local San Francisco comedians bringing you comedians from all over the United States here. Everything will be live, live streaming and podcast post. Get your tickets, $10 a show, 25 shows, a million laughs. It's the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival brought to you by Benders, Counter Offer and Subliminal SF. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. Asiento. 
Hungry for a burger? Check two, check three, check one, check two, check three. See, see, see. Uno, dos, tres. See, see. Uno, dos, tres. See. Counter Offers menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offers serves specials off the Taco Bell menu. Only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. You the best. 